This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker Spine and Orthopedic Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Alonzo Sexton, founder and president of ATL Orthopedics in Atlanta and CEO of Insight, a technology company. Dr. Sexton, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about, but before we dive into my questions, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and career journey? Yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, I've been in orthopedic practice since 2006. I have a specialty in sports medicine. I've worked with the, uh, to name a few, New York Jets, uh, University of Georgia, Go Dogs, and uh, Georgia State as a team physician. I have most of my career, I would say, has been spent as a private practice physician. Uh, however, about four years ago, I actually joined a hospital as an employed physician, but recently in the last year uh, started ATL Orthopedics, which is a uh, practice in, in Atlanta that has really two pillars. We focus on the idea of uh, representative care and using innovation to help get better patient outcomes. So that's uh, where I am now and, and how, I, how I got here. That's fantastic. So um, especially in starting ATL more recently, what has been really your experience doing that? Why did you decide to jump back into private practice? And, you know, what were some of the successes that you had in terms of starting the new private practice? Well, I'd say, you know, probably about 10 years of my experience was in the private practice world. So it was really where I was most comfortable. And then after having the opportunity to see what a employed role look like, you know, I, I really realized that, that was really my focus and, and my, where my, my DNA sits is with the a private practice world. And, you know, we're very specific in, in what we're trying to accomplish. We're located in an area of the city of Atlanta that has a pretty heavy underserved population and somewhat of a vacuum in orthopedic care. So we really wanted to make sure that we uh, was able to serve that community. And so we started this practice in service of you know, providing care to an underserved area and, again, this idea of representative care where, you know, African-American uh, practice where we have uh, two surgeons now but have our sights on growing to about six surgeons uh, in, in the, I'd say, next 18 to 24 months, which will actually make us the largest uh, independently owned African-American group in the country. So we really, you know, like I said, wanted to serve this community and, you know, be in a private setting, which allowed us the capabilities to be able to make decisions that are best for our patients, best for the community. That's really fantastic to hear and, and definitely great to, to hear about your mission and, and serving the community better. So given that in knowing where your practice is and the goals that you have for the community, what issues are you spending most of your time on today? Well, I, again, I think the two ideas is representative care model as well as innovation. You know, the thing that I get really I'd say excited about is that there are a number of new technology tools that are available. I think I play really well in the orthopedic space. If you're talking about remote patient monitoring or utilization AI for data analysis, I think there are some tools that now allow us to actually get better outcomes at lower cost and actually create an ecosystem that allows for subsidies for patient care that maybe didn't exist before. So I have this technology interest and founded this company Insight to help leverage some of this uh, experience that, that we have to help orthopedic surgeons in, independent specifically to uh, be able to utilize some of the tools and, and help their patients in service of their patients. 
That's such an interesting point. And, you know, I think a lot of doctors wish they could make that leap and in, in start the technology company and do something to really spread their knowledge. But, you know, then everything else happens, life happens and, and aren't able to actually make that come to fruition. Um, what was that process like for you? You know, what has, has been your driving force there and, and lessons have you learned in, in having both a private practice as well as being CEO of Insight? Well, it's interesting for me, you know, I guess how I started this, like I've always been interested in technology and in actually 2015, uh, our medical practice, we were victims of a cybersecurity attack where you know, hackers actually got access to about 400,000 medical records. They ransomed us for Bitcoin. It was, you know, we had to call the FBI and, and had, you know, so it was this huge thing. And, you know, what was interesting was it, it actually, allowed me to actually start learning a little bit about some of these newer tools, like, you know, what Bitcoin was, what blockchain was, and how it actually might play a role in some of the stuff that, that we're talking about. So that was an unfortunate incident, but it certainly helped me to learn more about um, some of these potential technologies. And, um, you know, and the idea really is that as a healthcare provider, if we just think about something like medical records, you know, the current scenario is that we as the providers, we hold on to the data, we store it, we protect it. But what we came to realize that we really can't protect it. We really can't securely store it. And it's a situation where a better solution is probably to have patients maintain their own records where because it's one, it's more secure. Two, it actually provides some interesting opportunities for patients to be able to, you know, extract value out of the uh, records that frankly belongs to them. So those kind of ideas are, are, are what sort of insight is about. And again, trying to couple that with the medical practice has actually been very exciting because, you know, I have this practice that we utilize some of these new techniques on and it, it's been something that's been pretty, pretty fun to, to work on. And that's outstanding to hear and so interesting. Thank you for sharing with us. Now, I was wondering, too, how are you thinking about investments and growth over the next two years or so? Um, we've talked a little bit about this in terms of, you know, what your mission and vision is for the practice. And what do you really see as coming to the forefront when you're looking at, you know, the next two year horizon? Well, yeah, I think it's really interesting in orthopedics because, you know, I think there's what we're seeing now in the market the trend is really twofold. Um, and you know, I'm speaking specifically about independent orthopedic groups. One is a uh, transition towards either hospital consolidation or acquisition, and the other is uh, private equity. <coughs> Excuse me. And I think most private practices see those as the two endpoints. And in orthopedics, obviously, one of the advantages that we've had is the ability to generate additional revenue, uh, ancillary revenue streams, such as surgery centers and MRI and PT and DME. And really the thing that I see from a growth potential that's probably the most dramatic of any of those is actually the ability to access the most valuable asset in healthcare, in my opinion, which is data and inf informatics. And utilizing some of these tools, you know, whether you call them Web3 or blockchain or whatever, to actually start to uh, access and unlock the value of, of those assets in a way that creates almost like a, a, a data ancillary, if you will. So a separate class of ancillary for uh, for practices. And, you know, that's the growth that I see. I think that healthcare is essentially a data industry. It's just, you know, sort of a frustrated data industry that doesn't really know how to unlock the, the, the assets that exist within just normal daily business operations. 
So I think in two years, you know, that you'll continue to see this trend towards acquisition and some practices will, and independent groups will go one of those two routes. Others will look for ways to uh, maybe stave that off because they really value maybe their independence or their autonomy. Absolutely. That's a really interesting point. I know, you know, in looking at healthcare data has become so much more available, especially in the past five, 10 years or so, and in really being able to use that strategically for the organization and for patient care, whether it's looking at uh, precision medicine or, or other aspects of the patient journey. So um, it's so interesting to hear you talk about that. And from your vantage point, you know, in serving communities that traditionally haven't always had access to care in the same way that, um, you know, other communities have, uh, what really do you see as being the advantage of bringing some of those data capabilities into your practice? I think there's, in orthopedics, there's a really big opportunity because if you just look statistically, if you look at the diversity, with the, which is in the orthopedic field, so there's about 30,000 orthopedic surgeons in the country, and a little less than 2% are African-American. So you're talking maybe about 600, you know, 600 uh, orthopedic surgeons in, in the country that are African-American. So there's probably more, you know, players in the NFL than there are uh, African-American orthopedic surgeons in the country. And so I think that what's intriguing about that is that, and so what some of the studies suggest is that there is an inherent, I'll say trust or you know, sort of engagement, better patient engagement with this idea of what we call racially concordant care. So, you know, black patients that look like, you know, that have black doctors, for example. And with that, there's this inherent trust that sort of gets built in because I think what's really fascinating about the data and analytics um, sort of ecosystem, if you will, is that, you know, it's not really a technology problem. So Apple and Amazon and Google, all, all of these major technology organizations have tried to crack this healthcare data nut because it's, uh, I think they realize the value that's there. But the problem is not really technology, it's really cir uh, circles around trust. And again, so the way I think about it is if you have an environment that inherently builds trust because you have this racially concordant care, which is, is some, somewhat, you know, automatic, uh, and then you layer in some of the other technology tools like blockchain, for example, which is, has been described as a trustless protocol, which is a, a, you know, something that helps to build trust as well. You start layering trust on top of trust, which I think makes this more of a possibility of being a reality. Because, again, I think you've seen over and over through these technology companies, they failed really. Because um, at, 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 I, I do think that from a patient standpoint, you know, it feels different to say, well, hey, Google wants your information to your healthcare data for God knows what versus having your physician sort of as a part of that process where, where there's a little bit more of a trust uh, uh, in relationship. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I, I think that makes a lot of sense and just is really outstanding to hear. Um, finally, before we wrap up our conversation, I'm wondering what are you most excited about right now? Yeah, I get excited about this opportunity, really, for, for you know, because I, I you know, I, we know, a lot of us know in healthcare that one of the big challenges is that there's malaligned, you know, misaligned incentives between patients and doctors and health systems, insurance companies. And, you know, I, I foresee and visualize this future where really, you know, patients and doctors engage really just to get people on, onto a platform that is a data sharing platform. And, 
you know, if you can imagine sort of an area where, you know, if you think about getting a sickness or an illness or needing surgery, the first thing that typically people get concerned about is, well, what's the financial implications of that? And so if you can create a system where, you know, it's almost like you get paid to get sick, right? It's bad to get sick, but if you know just from a financial standpoint, well, hey, I actually have the ability to generate value for myself that's outside of, you know, which is belongs to me. Like I, I likened it to Uber. And one of the really cool things about the platform of Uber is that it allowed people to take property that belonged to them, their vehicle, which otherwise sits in a garage and they don't extract value from. Now it creates an ability for them to actually generate value for themselves. They can drive cars, they can, you know, sort of make money on the side, this gig economy or whatever. And I think healthcare data is has the same potential because you know, it's extremely valuable and more so than, you know, any of the things that, you know, the Facebooks and the Amazon and Googles of the world capture because, you know, essentially we're talking about for Google, well, hey, we, we have this capability to generate, you know, data from the, um, from your search history or where you were, you know, where you traveled to. And with health data, I mean, there's it's so so much more rich of a data set, and so I think extremely much much more valuable. So I get excited about changing the potential paradigm of how healthcare delivery is is is, is provided in the country. Um, you know, it's a long way to get there, but you know that, that's what that's what I get excited about. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Sexton, for uh, jumping on the podcast with me today. This has been a really fun discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. All right. Well, thank you for having me.